0: As we recover from Thanksgiving, the Buckeyes are recovering from an ass whooping (laughs) and Michigan State's recovering from a trip out to Portland and the probability of not playing in a bowl game in football. As always, this is the Paul Bunyan podcast, and we appreciate you guys joining us. We're going to be talking about the game on the next segment.
1: Number five comes for the phone. Michigan versus Ohio State was the most watched regular season college football game ever on Fox with 17 million viewers. It was also the most watched regular season college football game on any network since 2011. Michigan won 45-23, to 23, which was Ohio State's most lopsided home loss since falling to Illinois, 46-20 to 20 in 1999. We all remember that game. Um, I believe Kurt Kittner was uh, the quarterback for Illinois. and. Illinois kind of stunk for the next few years after that until they got um, Juice, juice Williams. Williams. The Juice. And then uh, Richard Mendenhall was the running back, and they went to Rose Bowl. And Ohio State has not beaten Michigan football in 1,094 days. And counting. And this past Saturday, Michigan planted the flag in the middle of Ohio State's field. This was McCarthy's first start in an incredibly hostile environment. All previous road games were not nearly as hostile as this one. And I read something really well written, and I want to give credit. It was written by Stephen Os- Towski. And he pointed out not only that McCarthy wasn't rattled, he was cool, calm, collected, and seemingly having a good time. The poise was incredible for a true sophomore in after watching the game live, I read this. Then I watched the Big Ten and 60 version, which is great. Cuts mm-hmm. out all the fluff, 44 minutes of football, 16 minutes of commercials. If you want to watch a game a second time, it really makes it, uh, it does. effective and efficient. Minimal fast forwarding. Mm-hmm. And one of the early plays in the game was Zach Harrison smacking a ball and getting it, smacking a pass, attempted pass down and getting it in McCarthy's face. McCarthy just gives Harrison a finger point, takes his mouth guard out, and smiles. He was not rattled. And that's important because at one point, Zach Harrison was a Michigan commit, and he flipped late. And he would be on Michigan's side of the ball. But uh, McCarthy, you know, he kept doing what he was doing. And this was important because early on, Corum tries to, to give it a go. He gives two rushes, only gets six yards, and he's like, the pain is just too much. Uh, Edwards and wasn't getting it on early either. The run game in the first half was almost non-existent. Uh, Stokes never was as effective as uh, Michigan's been used to this year with their two starting running backs. So they had to throw a lot, and at first it wasn't working. But unlike uh, the rest of the season, Michigan stuck with the pass because it had to. And sometimes just keeping with it allows you to develop rhythm. And in the first half, the passing game is what kept Michigan in it. It, That first quarter, Ohio State dominated, even though it said 7-3. Well, Michigan actually scored more points in the second quarter despite and took the lead at one point despite Ohio State going in with a halftime lead of 20 to 17. Yeah. It was like the first quarter was Ohio State's. I'd give Michigan the slight edge in the second quarter. Overall, Ohio State has a lead, Mm -hmm. uh, has a small lead. But uh, when it felt like it could have gone a different way, and you do not want to get down two or three scores Mm -hmm. by the Buckeyes because then it turns into a track meet, which plays in their hands. It's like hard to stick with the run when you know you have to catch up. Um, Uh Yeah. before you get to the second half, I, I no, think – I, I still have a lot oh, of numbers okay. after I was just going to say, I, th- I think
0: the energy of the game changed on Cornelius Johnson's first touchdown. And uh, I give him all the credit in the world because he made the guy miss. He didn't fall. like he, he made a good effort to stay on his feet, keep his knee off the ground. And uh, Ohio State got the ball back, couldn't score a touchdown. I think they got a field goal. And, yeah, like Ohio State took the lead before halftime. But you could tell like it was different then because up to that point, Michigan – like you said, was just stonewalled, and you know the the first drive they moved the ball stalled, ended with a field goal, and yeah, Ohio State kind of messed up by not taking
1: it, not taking advantage, not putting it in the end zone. And uh, second straight year, Ohio State hasn't been great on third downs. Yeah, um, I wouldn't say they were horrible last year or this year, but both years Michigan was better and just more efficient. Yeah, uh, Ohio State converts on few more third downs and we might be saying something different um but i do want to say like that was like one of the first big plays for mccarthy that didn't go his way and the way it ended was with mccarthy waving to exit crowd after the (laughs) beatdown just just a little is that like a royal wave i was i was gonna say it's the princess wave (laughs) yeah Uh, i don't mean that like insultingly like i well, he was—that's what it's called.
0: The little. Like, well, he was definitely
1: being ham. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like he's in a freaking parade. Um, but I, I would also say, like, part of the reason the passing game worked was uh, McCarthy, McCarthy's feet. What not only just some of the running and scrambling he could do, but also just avoiding sacks. Yeah. Even if it was just throwing the ball away, it was like. All right, second and six, he goes back. And if he gets sacked, it's third and 14. But since he throws it away, it's third and six, third and manageable. Um, and and uh, I'm glad you brought up Cornelius Johnson because he hasn't had the best season. He's had the most drops, or at least it feels like it. Um, definitely taken some criticism. But he had a big game, and uh, yeah. they definitely spread the ball around. I think uh, – um, uh, uh, Ronnie Bell had two catches. Uh, <laughs> Shoemaker had a huge one. Yeah, yeah he had <laughs> the, uh, the pass from, um, I don't even know his uh, name. Mullins, yeah. who also had a rush, uh, but is mostly a linebacker. Right. <laughs> and if he was not a linebacker, that probably would have been a touchdown, but <laughs> it was just uh, that little lob. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then um, um, uh, Colson uh, Loveland. Who I couldn't remember his name last week. Uh it felt like he had a bigger game, but he actually only had one catch. But, but some it was these, a touchdown. Yeah, but some of these guys, their catches were so big. Yeah. Um I I since I've only watched a condensed version and I watched live in a really loud house where I couldn't hear all the commentary. <laughs> uh th- was that shoemaker's only play? I know he didn't play a lot. Um He dressed. I couldn't tell you because I wasn't keeping an eye out for that, but that was the only time I really like noticed him on the field. Sometimes it's hard with uh, guys unless the ball's thrown their way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, running backs too. If they're just blocking, sometimes you don't always right. notice. Um, like sometimes you don't notice an offensive lineman isn't playing until it's
0: pointed out.
1: Yeah, especially offensive line. It, yeah. like it's hard to like be a fan and really give great analysis of line play because <laughs> that's not where the camera goes. Yeah, it goes to the playmakers. Um, after McCarthy runs for a first down early in the third quarter, Stokes and an Ohio State defender start jaw jacking, and McCarthy grabs Stokes. Uh, so there's no penalty thrown, no flags thrown, mm-hmm. and doesn't kill, kill momentum on a drive that would eventually give Michigan the lead that they would never surrender. Um, just great poise. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I want to give him uh, credit. Like I am really taking a lot of his words, kind of phrasing it in my own words, but this is, um, these are his thoughts. So Steven I, do, I again, I want to give him credit. I don't want people to think I'm just stealing his uh, intellectual property, really. Yeah. Um, on the sideline, no matter what the score, McCarthy just was smiling and happy. You contrast that with Ohio State, who was playing tight and uncomfortable, particularly in the second half. Yeah. Um, there's a couple – Times that, uh, well, Michigan players just said they felt like Ohio State gave up at a certain point in the fourth quarter, or at least in the second half. Uh, there's been guys saying that like when Ryan Day decided to punt on fourth and six, that was uh, a killer. They were killer. down
0: eight at that point, or they were down ten.
1: It, it, it was like a one or two possession game at that point. And I thought they were going to go for it. I've also seen, I haven't seen it from anywhere official, but speculation was that was supposed to be a fake, hmm. and the snapper – Didn't do what he was supposed to do. Hmm. I haven't seen that from a reliable source though. I've just seen that like you know on social media, so I don't want that to be. I I was, we were saying (laughs) uh, uh, with the crowd I was watching with, watch for the fake. Yeah, because it went to first and thirty-five. Because there was two penalties on the first down, right, and they kind of like kept. Picking they they up made thirty. They, they made twenty yeah. yard, twenty nine yards in uh, three plays. Yeah, so it kind of felt like they should go for it. I would have just ran. I also think it's kind of demoralizing to pull the offense at that point.
0: Yeah, because you know you're like, weren't the defense they Mich- wasn't doing their job?
1: Weren't they in Michigan territory?
0: They were. They def- were close to mid. I think the drive started at midfield and they got pushed
1: backwards. Like, And then they made it back yards. to midfield because yeah. they weren't in field goal position. So it might have been just inside Michigan. Unless or, you're or, Jim Harbaugh and you want to have Jake Moody try a 57-yarder, which he <laughs> almost makes,
0: which is nuts. Um, I just thought of a name for um, – like you were talking about Shoemaker and Loveland, how they – you thought they had, like, these huge games, but they really just had catch it one catch in big moments. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call that the Keith Nickel factor because <laughs> Keith Nickel – would always have, like, one or two catches per game, but they would always be, like, a 44-yarder or, like, a touchdown right at the end of the game. And it would be like, yeah, Keith Nickel makes such a big impact. But then you look at the stats, you're like, oh,
1: he had one Such catch. an interesting character. He was a transfer from Oklahoma. People yep. think it's going to be his job. But instead, Kirk Cousins gets it. Yeah. Well, he, Keith he, Nichols stays part of the offense. Yeah. It was fun. Good times. I miss him. Um, I do want to say something about the – Playing tight, I felt like at a certain point in this rivalry, I want to say uh, post-Jim Trestle, but that's because his last few games were such blowouts yeah. that I couldn't say if Michigan would have played tight. Um, maybe 2011, but definitely by the time Urban Meyer there, there was a time where it felt like Michigan played tight. And uncomfortable, even in games where they had the lead, it almost felt like they were counting down the clock until it struck zero. I think to speak on that, you know, like Ohio
0: state built this big winning streak where it's like, you know, Michigan won in 2011, which was their first time since Oh three, I believe, but it was against, you know, an interim coach, a six win Ohio state team. And then like urban Meyer comes in, wins two close games. And then it just kind of starts you know, so like Ohio State, I think was playing comfortable because they felt like they couldn't lose to Michigan. Yeah. But then with the f- script flipped last year and Michigan not just
1: winning, but handling Ohio State, they even Ohio felt State tight, doesn't know how to handle that. But they felt tight last year, too, right. which was weird. It was weird that Ohio State was tight last year. It's kind of understandable that they were tight this year. Maybe. But maybe yeah. it's also you just take on the personality of your leader. Right. I don't know. Like Ryan Day looked visibly frustrated. Um, it's kind of weird. Um, you go back and you watch the Lloyd Carr and Jim Trussell battles, even though Trussell was the one winning those for the most part, like Michigan didn't look tight in two thousand two. They held their own against a team that eventually won the national title. Michigan didn't look tight in 06. But they didn't even look tight in 07. They just looked banged up. Yeah. But at a certain point. Um and actually it's said it, uh I want to steal a thought from a recent rivalry uh uh documentary that uh BTN's been airing, but I don't think was actually produced by them. Um at a certain point, Ohio State starts winning so much in this rivalry that Michigan almost builds them up as a like mythical figure. Yeah, I and, think I think a lot of people in the Big Ten have been doing that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean <laughs> Again, Ryan Day's only lost two Big Ten games, and right. these two, and uh, uh, the Ohio State fans are getting the pitchforks. And uh, yep. <laughs> I, I'm surprised how many there are because you always see like fire Saban trending on Twitter when Alabama <laughs> lose, but it's always like kind of the crackpots. Yeah, it's not like uh, most Alabama fans feel that way. I am shocked at how many Ohio State fans feel this way. It's been a long, long
0: time since they've lost back to back games to Michigan.
1: Look who they've lost to. Their worst loss might be well, it's probably this one because it was at home. And it was twenty two points. Yeah. But I mean the game was tight until about seven minutes left. Yeah. From that point on, Michigan ran four plays. Edwards busted that first long one. Besides kneel downs, Michigan only ran four plays because all their plays were for long yardage. Yeah. Um, um, where was the Oregon Ohio State game? That was in
0: Columbus. Okay. They
1: were supposed to play in Oregon in twenty twenty. Yeah um that was still a pretty good oregon team what did they go like 11-2 yeah something like that then they lost to the clemson in the college football playoff and they lost to the alabama in the college football championship yeah so like i don't know anyways um but yeah the last two years the team seems confident they seem loose and like when they have the lead they just seem to want to build on it last year it felt like haskins was like okay We're going to go down, and we're going to score again. Like, it's a one-score game. We're not worried about the clock. We're scoring again. And Ojabo and Hutchinson did their thing on D. This year, it was McCarthy, Edwards, and Sanders still. They were loose, confident, and they just out-hustled. Sanders still made an amazing play. Oh, I have a whole thing I think it was on Abuka in the end zone when Ohio State. Oh, yep. That play, that pass breakup was amazing. I actually had – I will get to him in arguably,
0: arguably the play of the game, aside from Johnson's first touchdown. <coughs> that could that be another one. The energy. They,
1: after that, they got their only three points that they scored in the second half. Yeah. Um, and there was other players that have been standouts too, but those are kind of the main ones from the last two years. And here's a quote. There's maybe only one or two teams that can outpersonnel Ohio State. We made the decision we were going to beat them by outculturing them. And that was a quote from a Michigan staff member who wanted to remain anonymous when talking to Bruce Feldman. And, I mean, it really feels like that. It feels like at a certain point, Harbaugh was like, okay, I brought in Gaddis. I tried to, like, do the modernized thing. Because in 2019 in football, both college and and pro, it was like, okay, the thing was was to get these offenses that use RPO that like to do air raid that just Mm -hmm. air it out. Basically like Golden State Warriors on turf. Yeah, yeah. It got um. Uh, Who's the Arizona Cardinal head coach that was fired from Texas? Kingsbury. Yeah, he went from being fired by Texas Tech to (laughs) to being USC's offensive coordinator for a minute to being Arizona Cardinals uh, head coach. And it's all because the Rams made it to Mm -hmm. the Super Bowl. Yep. And I, I think at one point Harbaugh was like, screw that. I'm getting rid of Don Brown, which I'll get to more. I think that's a major turning point in this series. He was like, I'm going back to what I know. And really, what what really propelled Michigan to win in the last two years, better offensive line, better defensive line. Ohio State has a better quarterback. They have the better wide receiver corps. Oh, yeah. But Harbaugh's like, I want my tight ends. I want my fullbacks. I want a bunch of offensive alignment And I just want to create gaps on offense. Uh, we're going to be run heavy. I even want a quarterback that can run. And I do think... uh by the way, letting McCarthy run this game really helped his play. Yeah. Because his two best games are this one against Penn State. Both of them, they let McCarthy lose.
0: It seemed like once McNamara got hurt, they were pulling in the reins a little bit on his running.
1: And, um, yeah, like you said, this game they they let him lose. And what are you going to do? You're going to let him get hurt against Rutgers right. and not have him against... Oh, yeah, no, for sure. State, yeah. You know, even if you have McNamara. I'm not saying I disagree with that. Oh, no, no, I'm, no, I, no, I know. Out. Yeah, But it's also it was kind of frustrating when you want a team to look good enough you, on film yeah. that you feel comfortable that they're going to beat Ohio State. Yeah, or that they could get into the playoff even if they lost to Ohio. State. Right. Uh one last thing on JJ before I move on. Here's a quote from my good friend this Thick Stalskis on Twitter. I'm never going to say Thick Stalskis without <laughs> laughing by the way. The state of the rivalry is embodied in the personalities of the QBs. Stroud is a supremely talented whiner who couldn't be bothered to run for a critical first down. JJ is a golden retriever who isn't quite as good, but would throw himself into a wood chipper for one extra yard. (laughs) Uh, I mean, there's a little bit of uh, exaggeration, somewhat for comedic effect, but it is funny uh stroud is an amazing quarterback but
0: I i think he should come back to school one more year i, don't I think thought he was a true ready. sophomore is
1: he? he uh he redshirted
0: in the 2020 year like oh, he played okay. in a few games like he had a he had like a 50 yard rushing
1: touchdown against state that year but he was technically redshirting even though even if it means that michigan would lose next year i want him to come to ann arbor again just because i think it would make the game big yeah you know but let's not get ahead of ourselves. Second half of the last two meetings between Michigan and Ohio State, 2021 score: Michigan outscores on 28-14. Rushing yards 188 to five. Michigan, 2022 score 28 to three. Michigan rushing yards 242 to 19. Michigan. Yeah. And again, I, I kind of felt I remember after watching the game live last year, I'm like, why didn't Ohio State run it more? But, I mean, they're doing the smart thing by passing because if you see the yards per play, they're doing – they were doing better by letting C.J. Stroud air it out than giving it to Henderson. Uh, it was, Henderson didn't play. No, last uh, year. Oh, oh, last year, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was only getting 4.4 4 yards per rush, which it wasn't terrible. No. But Stroud was moving the ball, even if it meant you were bringing in the pass rush for Michigan. And this year it was even worse. Um, uh, I, I actually – uh, the backup running back um what's his name Brian williams yeah he's had a better season yeah so the, I mean, henderson has been so limited and not only that he's been running right into defenders yeah his year vision enough. isn't as and yeah. he had a really good year last year but i mean ohio state's doing the smart thing by passing. but when you're not being efficient when you're not doing as well on third downs you know but uh Donovan's, Edwards' 75-yard run in the fourth quarter was the longest run by a Michigan player against Ohio State in the history of the rivalry. That record was broken three minutes and 52 seconds later by Donovan Edwards. Donovan Edwards, when asked about his wide-open touchdown run, which won? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Blake Corum tried to give it a go, and the pain was too much. And Donovan Edwards is the next man up, puts on the Superman cape, And takes it to the Buckeyes. I mean, the the story of the second half, as well as J.J. played, especially with his feet, was Michigan just was able to start running. The offensive line, particularly in the second half, just overpowers the Buckeyes' D-line. It was just too much stamina. The Buckeyes look worn down. They were gas. Michigan offense looked like it was just getting going. And, I mean, that's been the story all year. Michigan's outplayed teams in the second half. They just seem in better condition, and the coaching staff just seems to make adjustments and the right ones. And I always feel like the best coaches are the ones that come out in the second half and just outcoach the other, uh, yeah. the other staff. You get a look at what they want to do, and then you adjust. and I think Urban Meyer, especially with Brady Hoke, had his number with that. Uh, Brady Hoke's teams always seem to play beyond their potential and always kept it close against urban meyer like who's the better coach urban meyer over brady Hoke all day yeah but look like even when the buckeyes were really really heavily favored michigan kept it close and lost by 14 after some injuries uh who's the running back from pioneer that Drake johnson was yeah drake johnson i heard jake johnson at first which i think is an actor was he on new girl i think so yeah (laughs) Uh um but um, but yeah, uh, this year you have to give it to the staff. They just seem to outcoach the other staff in every game, even this one. Yeah, and Ryan Day is a really good coach, despite what some of their fans might think. Ninety percent winning, ninety percent, ninety percent winning percentage. Wait, ninety per ninety. Yeah. Okay, I said that right. Okay, and a lot of his losses are in the postseason. If you just take his regular season, it's even better. Um. But, uh, and then the secondary. And this is where I was gonna, this was gonna be my Mike Sanders still appreciation yeah. segment. Uh, but let's first start with the whole secondary, which had good to great numbers all year. I believe the outside corners, less than 50% uh, completion uh, for passes thrown their way. After this game, it might be a bit higher. Um, but a, f- a segment of the fan base has actually been critical, which I don't get at all. But Turner, Green, Page, Moore had tough jobs to do. And for a second year in a, in a, For the second year in a row, Ohio State got theirs. They got their jabs in, but they never got the knockout blow. Uh, But as big as those guys came up, Mike Mike Sanders still had the biggest game of the D-backs. Now, they had Green and Turner last year, but they lost uh, Brad Hawkins and Daxton Hill. And Moore and Page had very good years. Mike Sanders still had an amazing year. The pass breakup, which we brought up earlier, in the end zone was a thing of beauty. Ohio State thinks they have a chance. They think they're going to get a touchdown. They think they're going to have this game really close. And bloop, nope. Yep. Holds them The only three points, and those are the only three points they scored in the second half. And Mike Sanders' still's story is an amazing story. Going from three years at slot receiver to this is beyond astonishing. Don Brown liked bigger guys at the slot position, and he stupidly let Sanders still move to wide receiver. Of course, Don Brown would get exposed by Ohio State by putting safeties in the CB3s on slot, re- slot receivers. He's gone, and the best defensive player on Saturday was a guy that has been playing the third-corner-slash-safety hybrid all year. And he had to convert from slot receiver because he wasn't good enough for Don Brown. Talk about poetic. Anyways, the season isn't done yet. I love, 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 love that the guys are saying the job wasn't done and they aren't overlooking the Big Ten title game. Purdue throws the ball really well but doesn't do anything else especially amazing. Um, But they are a formidable team. And uh, if Michigan had overlooked them, they could definitely be the spoiler makers. Also, what a statement about the divisional imbalance that the (laughs) East has decided in a top five matchup with Big Noon Saturday and Game Day on hand is the most college watch most watched college football regular season game in 11 years. Well, the Big 10 West is deciding games broadcast concurrently on the Big 10 network channels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and guess who will be there on uh, Saturday? That's right, I am heading to Indy. I was <laughs> I was waitlisted last night and I bought my tickets today. That's awesome. Saturday I already had my hotel room booked i really wanted to go last year but this time last year was a crazy time for me and now i'm gonna get personal for a minute uh i have i was had just gotten over COVID. i had just quit the job that gave me COVID.
0: yeah
1: uh <laughs> <of the> <laughs> yes uh i believe the week heading into that saturday i started my new job which is when michigan football is a big part of your life Starting a new job in between beating Ohio State <laughs> and going in the Big Ten championship game, which you end up winning, is a really weird feeling. Um, I'm making literally twice as much uh, right now as I did at the job I quit that gave me COVID. But last year, it was kind of a weird time, the transition, and I definitely didn't have the money saved up that I do yeah. now. Uh, so, as much as I wanted to be there last year, I did have fun watching on tv kind of kicked myself yeah and when your team goes to back to back that second time That's you have to, you have to make well oh, excuse me you have to make an attempt to go there and i'm gonna let you talk for a minute because i oh. just burped while talking <laughs> all i heard all i heard was all i do is win win
0: win <laughs> bumping about uh making twice as much money going to indie like got waitlisted but you got the tickets like that's just winning yeah every um, as a michigan fan
1: right now everything you want you're getting
0: yeah so like obviously <laughs> i don't like jim harbaugh in fact i hate him more than most people should have hate in their heart for someone else um <laughs> but i gotta tip my cap to him and uh, i'll get into it more in the next segment about how he has provided a blueprint for what mel tucker should do Going forward um, But you know I just want to give a big uh, Shout out to my man Chris uh, It's it's kind of unbelievable what's happened um, Since he's Left us you know you talked about it
1: The former going The former co-host of this show yeah, real quick.
0: Michigan going 23-1 and one in the Regular season uh, Since they uh, Damn near fired Harbaugh When he was like one of the last people sticking up for yeah, him Yeah not even me uh, one of the last people saying that it could be done so um you know last year it warmed my heart a lot more than this year this year I was more annoyed but still um ha- well, happy for him the players
1: yeah. that um Chris was citing as a reason McCarthy yeah uh, Edwards of course worthy to end up here because of omissions <laughs> yeah but, but uh, he was lo- he was looking at the amazing recruiting class they got particularly on offense despite their terrible year and saying, this is the reason why. Yeah. And I mean, now we're starting to see it. Um, that's kind of crazy. And I'm glad you want cause there was a, there was an interesting tweet sent by a Michigan state fan that I'm going to bring up in the next segment. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's a tease. That's what they call it. <laughs> it wasn't tease. something I tweeted. Oh no, 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 no. I don't think I tweeted anything. Um, uh, um, but yeah, I, I'm real excited. I mean, of course, we're going to talk Michigan State, yeah, I, uh, basketball. But I want to hear. I actually want to hear what you have to say about Mel Tucker. Oh yeah, for sure. And um, I don't have too much else to say about. Um, I think I said it all.
0: I, I expect Michigan to win on Saturday. Uh, I think I think the only mismatch Purdue could have would be uh Charlie Jones, but I, uh, on offense the Purdue receiver. But I, I expect Michigan to shut everything else down. I don't know too much about the Purdue defense, but. I, I, I can't imagine they'll have any like they lost a lot of talent from last year's team. Purdue did. So I can't imagine them shutting down Michigan's run game, especially
1: mm-hmm. if Quorum is even like 50%. They're a team of chaos. Uh look at their schedules, some of their <laughs> their nice road wins and then bad home losses. They're weird. Um also uh I really like Michigan secondary. I thought they held uh Jaden Reed to uh and, um Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., like they held them in check. Yeah. Um, And, you know, so uh, as long as they take them seriously, they should win. And I'm happy next week to tell you guys what my experience was like. But uh, let's talk Michigan State on the other side. Before we move on to the Michigan State
0: segment of this episode of the Paul Bunyan Podcast, this holiday weekend, I just wanted to remind everybody to support small businesses, especially our sponsor, Farbar. Visit far-ebar.com to buy yourself some handbags, pants, jackets, hoodies, shirts, lots of different fashion accessories, all handmade, all locally sourced. Make sure to visit far-ebar.com to support Farbar this Thanksgiving weekend and now back to the show. We're going to talk about some Michigan state hoops. Michigan state football season came to an end on Saturday night, like a bullet in the head of a horse who just twisted his ankle on the racetrack after being expected to compete for the triple crown. Um, (laughs) You know, it was, um, it wasn't a bad game.
1: Like at one I, point, I, two at two or three points, it was really close.
0: I, I, I give the players credit because there were lots of times this year where they could have, should have, like I wouldn't have blamed that at all. I wouldn't blame them at all if they did, uh, just kind of quit on the season because you know last year was magical. It, it really was, and you come in with the expectations, and it very quickly unravels. And, you know, it looks like maybe you got something back and you have that just ridiculous loss to Indiana last Saturday at home on senior day uh, to, you know, make make bowl game eligibility look improbable. So – and then, you know, that's kind of how the Penn State game goes at first. They fumble on the first possession – uh, which I don't give the players credit for because I thought that was a big lack of awareness uh, on the backwards pass. It looked like a few MSU players could have jumped on it. Credit to the Penn State players because they were very aware and they scooped
1: it up. That's a great way to yeah. phrase that. What did I say? Uh, <laughs> awareness. Oh, yeah. Uh, but Michigan you know, State look like they just assumed, and the Penn yeah. State were like,
0: just in case. Right. No, you always want to jump on the ball. It's not like it's not like a ball going out of bounds in basketball, where like if you're pretty sure you're the opponent touched it last, you don't go after it. Like it's not like that. Like you want to go, just jump on it, just pick it up. Uh, but the the Michigan State defense held. They forced a field goal that Penn State missed, and um, that Penn State scored two very easy touchdowns right before in the second quarter. And again, it was like Michigan State had every right to. Turn turn in the, just kick the cannon, but made a fifty yard field goal right at the end of the first half, which was, was easily the best and uh, end of the
1: half drive I've seen all year. I almost texted you during that, but I was, I like, was like, "Where I, has this been?" I was like, "I'll leave him alone. This is yeah. probably nerve wracking." <laughs> but I was like, "All year, what have I heard? Yeah. Like they don't have a kicker." And then 50 Jack, yards. Jack Stone, who's
0: missed multiple PATs, makes a fifty yarder. It, in pennsylvania in the last weekend of november like (laughs) that kind of pissed me off to be honest like i was like i was kind of hoping they would just throw out the hail mary squad because i thought there was an equal chance you get a hail mary touchdown as uh uh the field goal but what was the score at half 14 to three
1: um i thought michigan say
0: after falling down 21 three Scored the next uh 13 points. They tried to go for two after to a make Peyton a, Thorne rushing touchdown to make a three point yeah. game. Disappointedly, uh, it was Peyton Thorne's first touch rushing touchdown of the season, and it was the last touchdown of the season. Which last year, I believe, he had four or five. Like he's not he's not Drew Stanton or Brian Lewerke, but he can use his legs. I don't some, know why they I th- didn't. I think he has
1: some Lewerke in him. Some yeah, shiftyness. He has some of the bad <laughs> He has, he has the bad traits of Brian Lewerke. And well, remember at the beginning of the season, I said it kind of felt like he was. Yeah, th- yeah. Um, but he's definitely not as good with his feet as. Yeah, I, th- I think the the game came down to it was
0: 21-16 in the fourth. Penn State was fourth and two. They just instead of kicking it, I give Franklin a lot of credit for once on this play. Uh, they sh- they come out in the I formation and then they shift out wide. And it's just a numbers game at that point. And I think Michigan State only had two timeouts. Or they might have had all three. But basically, Penn State throws four people out wide. Michigan State adjusts and sends three defenders. And it's fourth and two, 21-16. I think like 10 minutes left in the game. Um, Xavier Henderson said he thought about calling timeout, but then said, shoot, let's just play. And um, it it seems like Mel Tucker kind of gives – uh, Mel Tucker said he wasn't thinking about calling timeout Seems like he kind of gives that authority To Xavier Henderson So like if Henderson wasn't playing Maybe Mel Tucker does call timeout But you know that's uh, that's We'll never know uh, <laughs> <laughs> So like Penn State scores Because you know Three guys blocking three guys And then the guy with the ball like, And the guy with the ball is a five star freshman running back um, It's 28-16 And then Penn State uh, quickly got the ball back and scored again. Then it's 35-16. And um you know, any any hopes for having that comeback were uh squished at that point. Yeah. So you know, um I'm not I'm not uh jumping ship on Mel Tucker by any means. I I do still have faith in him, but he's he's given me a lot of reason for concern this year. Um kind of effed around and found out, you know, like <laughs> almost let the Illinois game slipped because of poor management at the end of the game, almost let the Rutgers game, the Rutgers game was just too close because of poor management at the end of the game. And then what happens in the Indiana game? You do lose it because of poor management. Wisconsin overall. too. Yeah. Wisconsin. That one. Yeah. that one. It's hard to remember that game. That feels like so long ago. The time
1: management at the end.
0: Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. The end of the end of halves
1: haven't been great for state this year. Or the um, end of the game too. Cause well, I could be wrong, but just trying to remember from October 15th when the game was played. Then they have a chance for a game winning field goal, and like time management was bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, play calling was pretty bad. And, and then, then you go in a double yeah, over. They didn't but even you get you the they,
0: like They didn't even get the attempt off, technically, because like the, the snap was bumbled. So they didn't even like that's get the right. Kick off, so they, they ended up trying, like uh, I think Bryce Berenger ended up. Throwing up a Hail Mary. <laughs> so that
1: it was, it was bad. Yeah. Imagine if you lose in overtime after yeah. having, cause it looked like they were winning. It's like, oh, yep, they're going to win yeah. with a field goal at the end. And yeah. so, you know, just
0: one thing that missing a bowl game does is like it, it gives an opportunity to assess where you're at and really start looking ahead to next season. Um, I still believe in Tucker as a recruiter. I think the class that he brought in this past season and the one that he's bringing in next season, if, if they can get everybody to sign, um, it's going to be bringing in potentially program changing talent as long as they can like stack these classes. Cause I think that's the difference right now. Oh, it's one of the differences right now between Michigan and Michigan state is Michigan has had several really good deep classes in a row. Michigan state has had, they just don't have the same foundation of talent. Um, and there, I think Jim Harbaugh outcoached Mel Tucker by a mile this year as well, which you know obviously couldn't have been said the last two years. But uh, what Mel Tucker can learn from Jim Harbaugh is to stick to his guns, but also you got to be willing to let your friends go. Uh, I, I think Jim Harbaugh respected and admired Don Brown a lot. I don't think it was an easy decision, but you know it came down to if Jim Harbaugh's program was going to go where he wanted it to go, he needed to let go of Don Brown. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think if Mel Tucker's program is going to go where it needs to go, he's got
1: to let go of Jay Johnson at the very least. Year two uh, of the same defensive um, um, philosophy, same defensive yeah. Uh, different D coordinators um, allow four less points on the road against Ohio State. Yeah. Because last year they were still implementing it. Uh, I'll just say the tweet right now. And, I mean, it has as much to do with Ohio State and Michigan as it does Michigan State. Right. Um, But uh, (laughs) Big Sad, who you might know on Twitter, uh, that's his at. B1G Sad. Yeah. (laughs) Down Bad Sad. Michigan really crafted the perfect team to kick OSU's ass while Ryan Day was crafting the perfect team to score 2 million points versus MSU. (laughs) 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 Oh. and I know it's very accurate. And I know he's trying to get to this point with some of his recruiting. Um, but the two, a couple things to do is get the lines right, yeah, uh, offense and defensive lines. And then two, like Michigan State can get top tier punters and kickers. Yeah, um, we've seen it with like Mike Sadler and Aaron Bates, Brandon Fields. We were able to kick some of those field goals this year, and if you. Go for an out, but you can boot it sixty yards down the field. That yeah. can really change the game. And uh, I mean, uh, Behringer might have been the team MVP at Butter. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't the problem. Uh, Iowa like won seven or eight games just because of their punter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So you know,
0: I I think the offense had the talent, but they didn't utilize the talent properly. And Jaden Reed's not coming back.
1: Running uh, too. Running too. Yeah. Was never really able to run the ball consistently. Yeah. Like there were moments.
0: It wasn't like 2020
1: where it was just all stonewalled all the time. Oh Jalen Berger had his
0: moments. Uh, I had Collins to watch had some moments. awful
1: football for this podcast in 2020. <laughs> yeah, you and me both. <laughs> A combined four and nine between <laughs> our two teams.
0: <laughs> um, you know, just I, 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 I still have faith in Mel Tucker. I do, but. You know, the honeymoon phase is over. You know, it was it was a lot of fun with the hype and the, you know, tuck coming and the recruiting uh, visits and the the fun photo shoots and the sayings, you know, the keep chopping or the relentless. All this like it's a lot of fun. It is, don't get me wrong. And when we when we're winning, like it's all it's all all that much more fun to be, you know, keep chopping and tuck coming and all that. But how many more commits are they going to add? I, they're in on a lot. I know. I know they only have like twelve commits at the moment. They've had a, a decent amount of decommits over the season. I noticed uh,
1: that some um, of them weren't big at
0: first, but then as yeah, so far the biggest commits are, are still remains, still remain committed. That's by Job, a defensive end out of Oklahoma, and then uh, Stanton Rommel, I believe, is still committed for the offensive line, as well as Cole Dellinger, a local kid. Uh, important to keep the talented local kids home so and i also like a lot of a lot of freshmen from the 2022 class registered this year that didn't play guys like antonio gates jr uh a lot of the offensive linemen um so i sometimes you see addition by subtraction and that might happen this offseason um but yeah some some moves need to be made. I, with Wisconsin not retaining Jim Leonard, I've seen a lot of state fans calling for Michigan State to go after him. Every Big Ten uh, Yeah, everybody's <laughs> going to be – Yeah, Ohio State will probably make a call, even though uh, – what's his name? Jim Knowles wasn't bad. Like, I don't – that My priority would be looking for an offensive coach. Um, that's where that, you... That's where I'd lay the priority.
1: Yeah, I think uh... – because uh, Jay Johnson, I know I ask this all the time, but I mm-hmm. can't remember uh, Michigan State's coordinator's name. I mean, yeah. He's the offensive coordinator. He's right? the offensive coordinator. Defense coordinator had less to work with. This yeah, year.
0: Scotty Hazelton. Granted, like the defense was bad, bad at the beginning of the year. Like those first four
1: games were just horrible. But you shouldn't have. You
0: have to wonder, like, so have much... given up
1: zero points to Akron. Yep. <laughs> I know what you count. mean, though. I know what you mean though. <laughs> and yeah, I know But they had more injuries or You don't, yeah, or you don't expect guys. to lose
0: Bogle and Petrowski on the DNs. Like they didn't they haven't played since the Washington game. Oof. And obviously, like Henderson and Darius Snow. I think Darius Snow they had big plans for because when he went out in the first half of the first game, you just see you just saw like they didn't really have an answer linebacker. Like Ben Van Sumeran was a band aid at best. Uh like <laughs> You basically had two run stoppers on defense. Um,
1: I remember when some when some of the previews were like, "Oh, he's showing a lot of improvement in uh, uh, summer uh, practices. I'm like, what I saw at Michigan, he was not very good. Yeah, so it would have to be like a one eighty
0: pairing him, yeah, pairing him with Cal Halliday is just like, hey good luck running the ball against us
1: but it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be open season on the defensive back and i also kind of feel like cal halliday's carrying a lot of that water oh yeah for sure uh um, i don't i
0: don't know what happened with corvarius crouch that they basically like kicked him off the team but i'm really sad to see that he didn't end up landing anywhere and he's still in the portal because you know he, he he was often out of position in 2021 but he was athletic af uh, like he was fast and it, you kind of got the sense that like if he could ever put it together he would just be a stud at linebacker mm-hmm. um yeah we'll talk more about recruiting once everybody's signed and uh, it's official but uh, they do uh, they do have two four star linebackers committed for the next class out of Florida so 2023 or 2024 23 so uh, they'll be on campus next season
1: according to 24 7 right now they have nine four stars which is really good um yeah. But only twelve committed all together, which puts them at thirty. So I think I think what they got to do is They got to uh,
0: make sure they lock down those twelve commits, get them to sign for the early signing day, and then um, just try to add bodies before the late signing day
1: in February. Uh, don't don't just add bodies for the sake of adding bodies, but like go yeah. get people. You know, uh, Michigan, which was at one time behind Michigan State, but they, they have eighteen. Uh, they're at twentieth, and they actually since the Ohio State game. They've actually signed three Ohio uh recruits and yeah. at least two of them, and if not all three were at the game. Like immediately. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I, doubt I, I should have said that in the last segment. Reminded me. I doubt it'll happen, but if MSU can get
0: a uh, five star offensive tackle Samson Okanlola from Oklahoma <laughs> to commit, that would be program changing immediately. But that's a different conversation for another day. Um I don't really have any closing thoughts on football. Like I know there's still somehow a chance that they might get invited to a bowl game, but I'm, I'm not excited. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not excited
1: you... at the prospect of that. <laughs> I actually was going to bring that up and then I forgot, but um, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about basketball now. if That's cool. I actually expected you to lead with that. But then once <laughs> you did the tease, I was, I was like, Oh yeah, I remember.
0: <laughs> um, Real quick
1: closing thoughts for me. Um, I know uh, Tucker wanted to bring like the sec style. Mm-hmm. To the Big Ten. Um, and we've seen some really good positional players, but I don't know. Like, part of me is like, he should maybe focus on a uh, line of scrimmage and special teams a bit. Yeah. Not, not like totally abandoned, getting good receivers. Yeah. And stuff. So
0: they lost one four star offensive line commit, Clay Whedon, to Auburn. But so right now they have.
1: Without uh, a coach, or like, was this. Yeah. Like,
0: he, he flipped Auburn when they had their last coach and oh, okay. stu- stuck with them when they fired him. Okay. Um, but so they still have Jonathan Slack, Cole Dellinger, Stanton Rommel. And, uh, I believe there's one more that I feel really bad
1: about blanking on, but, uh, so he, oh, he I forget names on this podcast. And then, uh, all the time. There's two defensive many ends.
0: You know, they're bringing in by Job, uh Thompson from cast tech, uh, Andrew DePape from Iowa. They're in on a few other defensive linemen that could commit, um, Maybe you have it here, Jalen Thompson from from uh, Castech. So I was talking about, um, and like they're they're adding a few corners, but it, it looks like you can definitely see some emphasis on the offensive line. And if, like I said, if they get Lola, aka Pancake Concho, then that would be huge. Um, oh, Pancake Concho, I know him. Yeah, everybody knows. Sorry, I should I should have loved <laughs> his, his given Christian name. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so uh, we don't have a lot of time. So I'm just going to get into basketball because there's a lot to to cover. Uh, So when I gave my preview for the PKI 85 tournament, I did not know that Malik Hall was even hurt or that there was a possibility of him not playing. I knew there was a possibility of Jaden Aiken's missing time, which is why I brought up uh, the opportunity for Pierre Brooks to have a big weekend, which give him credit. He did. Uh, Pierre Brooks showed up to Portland to chew gum and knocked down three pointers, and he was quickly all out ran out of gum. <laughs> he, he was he was ready to shoot quick, every I time see the how ball cool you hit are. his hands.
1: Do you know what a uh, movie you just referenced? I don't. I Damn just it! Know the quote. I thought. Okay.
0: <laughs> oh, you would have. Uh, I came to kick ass and chew bubble. <laughs> what was it from?
1: They live. They live. I never would have known that. You should watch it. It's, uh, oh John
0: Carpenter mm-hmm. Halloween guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so Michigan State. No Malik Hall, no Jaden Akins. They open with Alabama. I didn't know what to, what to make of the Tide. I knew that they had talent like Miller and Betty Ako and Burnett, uh, but they really hadn't played anybody. Uh, Brandon Miller was really the biggest difference in the game with 24 points and nine rebounds and played 35 minutes, uh, the most on Alabama's team. The most on either team aside from Tyson Walker, who played 37 But this was a game where Michigan State, they just didn't come out defensively how I would have liked them to. And you could tell that they were still kind of figuring stuff out with their rotation. But I saw some good things on Thursday night, mainly uh, Tyson Walker just kind of deciding that he was the man. Cause that's been, if there's one complaint I have about Tyson Walker, it's that he is reluctant to just be the
1: man, you know, but, he needs to listen to one of your favorite songs. That's right, by the Killers, right? <laughs> That's right. The man. isn't that your favorite song? No, 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 no. That's far uh, from my favorite Killers song. I don't it's know. It's a fun one. You like? It seems like you like to quote it on social media. But anyways. It's, fun, it's a
0: fun one to quote. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Looking at the man. Um. So they drop
0: it to Alabama, eighty-one seventy. It was a little bit closer than that, but the biggest it was a game. I actually yeah. watched it. Uh, biggest difference was I just saw Alabama was tougher and like i said brandon miller was the most talented guy on the court uh it, it was it was just a better night for alabama than it was for michigan state then you go into friday night a weird game against the oregon ducks and this was one that tipped off at midnight and i did not make it i i did a <laughs> night on uh
1: on friday so yep. technically
0: on a saturday morning Yep, i i didn't make it i've had run a 5k earlier that day and I was beat and I went to bed at 10 30 and then my dog woke me up at two o'clock in the morning. So I picked up my phone, <laughs> uh, opened up the YouTube TV app and caught the very last minute of the game and saw that state one. So I was happy with that and uh, rewatched the game on, uh, on record the next morning. And, you know, as you can say, they kind of tightened up the rotation a little bit. And this was an Oregon team with some size. You talk about, uh, Nafali Dante and uh, uh, I'm drawing a blank on, on the other guy's name, uh, Kalel Ware, I believe, was the guy. But they, they just had size, and it was a game where I was kind of worried that Michigan State Michigan State might get bit by not having
1: the uh, the size advantage. Thank you. Yep. Uh, Kalel Ware, um, they have two centers as their starters,
0: yeah. They're kind of
1: rare Oh, like wait, what he uh only played seven, seven minutes, yeah.
0: Um, It was tough for Oregon. Like this was this was really one where like Oregon was kind of running out of bodies at the end, which I was concerned might happen for Michigan State. But AJ Hogard was kind of hard to. It was hard to put my finger on him over the weekend because he would have he had a really bad half against Alabama and then rebounded and I think had uh, he finished with good numbers. But if you watched the game, it was like like he finished with 18 points, but only one assist and he had four personal fouls. And uh, he kind of he got that case of the charges back that I was worried about, where he just kind of goes rumbling into the lane and just barrels rumbling, over. Rumbling, it. rumbling, yeah. It's like, dude, that's they've been calling that a charge every time.
1: Oregon has had uh, kind of a shitty season so far. Yeah. Um, Lost to UC Irvine, but I, I think they are better than their record just based on injury. But I don't think they're a tournament team. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I'd run ragged by Connecticut. Won a close one against Villanova, who we talked about. Yeah. Lost a close one to State.
0: So this was another one where, like, uh, Walker stepped up with 18. Hauser, who I think only had, like, four against Alabama, was uh, he put in 18, including going four of eight from three. And he had 10 rebounds,
1: so he had a double-double. Against that size?
0: Yeah. No. Uh, Oregon liked to play the zone, so I knew if Michigan State could start hitting some shots, it would bode well for them. And, you know... Again, Tyson Walker being aggressive made all the difference. And then we get into Sunday, Michigan State's playing Portland, and um, I was pretty nervous about this game, and I didn't even know that it was going to be played at Portland's gym. So it's not gonna, it's not gonna go down in the record books as a road game. It's gonna go down as a neutral site game, but I mean, it was at it was at their gym, so you know, it's a true road game, and Portland. You just look at them like they hung tight with North Carolina. I think they lost by like eight in that game. And then they rebounded from that to beat a scrappy Villanova team that Michigan state had just faced a week earlier Friday night and had barely escaped with the win, you know? <laughs> so Portland, they came out just firing. They hit nine three pointers in the first half and um, they yeah. took, I, I think they led by eight at halftime, 42, 34. Let me find that box yep, score. They did.
1: Okay. It thank you. Like, or it was something similar to that. Yeah. Like
0: that. Um, and they they were just hitting shots. Like, I wasn't even mad at it because it was like I wanted Michigan State to win, obviously, but it was a weird game, and I was just kind of like, Michigan State needs to show some fight, but I'm not gonna be mad. I'm not gonna be that mad if they lose like a competitive game to this team because this team has shown that they're scrappy, they can hang with Big teams. And you know, they, they play against Aga twice a year. We'll see how that
1: goes. But Christian Sujolan had uh, 15 points in yeah. 21 minutes. I think his name, I think they pronounced it Sholen. Where is he from? Is he uh <laughs> Scandinavian? <laughs> I have no idea. Is he one of my people? <laughs> what I loved about
0: this game was that Michigan State showed that dog in them came out in the <laughs> second half, and it looked like they were kind of They were pissed off that they were playing well and still losing by eight, and they went on runs. One thing I didn't note was like they ended the first half against Oregon on a fifteen nothing run, and that's the that's the difference in the game. When you win by four, a fifteen nothing run obviously like changes so much of the energy of the game for you. So
1: that's what he looks, and that's who I think he looks like. Brian McFadden. where's he from? He was on, he was an MTV VJ from like <laughs> the late '90s till about 12 years ago. Uh,
0: against against uh, Portland, Michigan State kind of reestablished their size. Mati Sissoko kind of reappeared, which was really nice because I was kind of worried I was starting to worry a little bit that maybe those two games against Gonzaga and Kentucky were just a flash in the pan. Not that he played poorly in the other games, but he just wasn't he wasn't what he was. Those uh, those games against Timmy and against Shibway. Uh, but he finished with 11 points. And there was a stretch where he made three consecutive free throws at the line, and I was real proud of him for that. <laughs> like there used to be times where he would step up to the line, and I would be ecstatic if he made one. So the to front then... row,
1: the front row would prepare for the
0: ball to hit. Them. Like, <laughs> <Right. shit. laughs> and it was another game where I, I was very upset with Hargard in the first half. But then in the second half, you know, when I said Michigan State showed that dog in him, a big part of that is AJ Hogard. Like he's he's got that dog in you know? him. <laughs> <laughs> uh probably the unsung hero of the weekend is Jason whitens uh walk-on from Western Michigan, who was gonna play last year but had a knee injury in preseason practice, never played. Uh he only scored against Portland. He got he made two shots with four points, but he had a lot of he, he, a lot of instances where he was at the right place at the right time, like a missed shot, he taps it out to Hauser, who makes a pass to Brooks for a three. Or like, he, he doesn't get credit for an offensive rebound, but he makes an offensive rebound happen,
1: you know? Um, this is a fine picture. He needs to burn that one. <laughs> Doing like the Steve Carell 40-year-old version, like <laughs> kind of like the Sears catalog, like yeah. cheesy
0: look. Uh, so, in summation, you know, I, I'll.
1: Uh, so how many years did he have at uh Western? I
0: think he's a fifth or sixth year now okay. so he, he played all four years um okay. he was he was a, I don't know too much about that's him. better too but uh, overall you know for the Michigan state to be five and two right now with injuries and the schedule they've played I'm very happy with that not only that I love the makeup and the attitude of this team it feels different than in years past it feels. Like, even Cassius Winston's senior year, like, that was a good team, but it felt like they didn't have as much fight as you would want them to. Like, they didn't have as much attitude. And it feels like this team has some attitude, and they know they got to be on their best because they don't have a lot of players. Um, But, you know, now you might see Jason Whiten's for, like, two or three minutes in a Big Ten game rather than, like, force Malik Hall to play 30 to 35 minutes, you know? Uh, Jackson Kohler and Trey Holloman and Carson Cooper, the three freshmen, they played some big moments, not a lot of minutes each game, but they played big moments and for the most part didn't look rattled, especially Holloman. Uh, I believe in all three games, Holloman had the biggest uh, plus minus on the team.
1: So, when do you see the box score without Malik Hall? You're like, oh, wow, this is a shorter. Roster and yeah. bench than you've seen in Michigan State. In and then Akins
0: is probably their best athlete. So you take away like Malik Hall, who's their most versatile player, and Akins, who's their most explosive player. And like, yeah, it, I, I think it limited their offense a little bit, but they adjusted with Walker and Hauser kind of stepping up and accepting that they need to be the man. So they're going to Notre Dame on Wednesday night for the Big Ten ACC Challenge. We just found out it's going to be the last Big Ten ACC Challenge. Uh, Notre Dame, they are, I don't know. They're five and one, but they haven't played anybody. Like uh, they have a three-point win over Radford, a seven-point win over Youngstown State, one-point win over Lipscomb, and uh, a 12-point loss to St. Bonaventure. But it sounds, Malik Hall is going to be out for three weeks, they said, so we might see him against Oakland and Rocket Watts, like December 20th or 21st. That might be the first time we see him back. Uh, Akins, they said, is doubtful to play against Notre Dame. So hopefully we see Aikens Sunday against Northwestern for the first big 10 game. Um, Even though I think Michigan state's a better team, I am worried that they're going to drop one on the road in a hostile environment. Cause this will be like a true, true road game where uh, you know, it's, it's not a neutral court road game like the Portland game was, but (laughs) I also, I also wouldn't be surprised if they end up winning by double digits. It's kind of hard to predict on a night to night basis. But I, I think he, they gave us a good snapshot of who they are, and there's reason to be excited. And also, uh, Keon Coleman and Malik Carr might be joining the team pretty soon, which is uh, pretty good timing. <laughs> uh, so that just about does it for us. Holy shnikes. Yeah, thanks for joining the Paul Bunyan podcast. Uh, we'll be back next yeah, week.
1: Follow us on social media, uh, Twitter, uh uh, email us um, if you have something interesting to say. If you don't, then, you know, don't. Keep it uh, to yourself. Yeah. Uh, like us on Facebook, Paul Blenheim Podcast at gmail.com. As long as you aren't a crazy pr- person, please rate us because this gives, it really does help. Uh, tell your friends. Tell your moms. Tell your friends' moms. But thank you for listening.